because this isn't just for fun. You are doing this so that you can evaluate your work and you can evaluate it more dispassionately if you're looking at it, how it was recorded, what jokes landed, what felt profound, how did the audience respond, how did the actors say what they said. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. On the show, it's my job to tease out the creative solutions my guests are coming up with to change the world through creativity, social action, and mindset. I also give you tips and techniques so you can do the same. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Super grateful that you took the time to listen. Something that I did not do that I absolutely wanted to do, but the episodes were scheduled out pretty far in advance, was I wanted to do a kind of a postmortem, a debrief of the listen table read. Listen, uh, if you've listened to the show, all you know, listen is my play. Uh, and it's, uh, we just had a table read at the beginning of January, January 6th, I want to say. And why I did it and what the best practices are for it are sort of the thing, the topic of this show today. Because when you create a creative work of any kind, particularly if it's written, whether it's a screenplay, a script, and sometimes a book or a short story, novel, article, whatever, you get to the point where you read it and you go over 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 it and you can't see anything else that you need to fix or to tweak or to edit. You're just that you've reached critical mass as far as what you can do to change it. And with books, you'll go to your beta readers and you'll say, hey, uh, can you read this for me? But when you when you write a play or a, a screenplay, a movie, you want to have someone who can actually read it out loud for you. Because, and you know me, I've, I talk about this a lot, that the best way to find if whether or not your written work has legs is to read it out loud, whether it's a short story, an article, or a book, or in this case, uh, a script for a play. And so I did that. I went, okay, I have done all I can do. I can no longer see things to change. And so I'm going to go ahead and grab the, I don't know, <laughs> I'm going to grab something. I'm going to, I'm going to grab the opportunity and do, uh, set up a reading, a table read. And so I wanted to sort of talk about my experience of doing the table read, of setting it up, and best practices, the things that I learned and the things that you'll want to pay attention to if you write something and you want to hear it done out loud and you want to present it to someone. So this is sort of the debrief of the listen table read. I want to assess and evaluate and give to you my advice on what you need to do to make it work. So the question then first is why do one for creative work? Well, first of all, you get to hear it. You get to hear and you get to get all the stuff that other people bring to it that was missing from inside your own head because you get sort of ear blind to it. You you can no longer hear things. And I, I got blind to some of the typos that I noticed when, when the cast was doing the read and they tripped over something. Sometimes they were tripping over the words and sometimes it was my error. I had a typo in there or something and they're looking at it going, uh... So, uh, so I got to fix things that I, that needed fixing that I didn't even realize, but also they bring their own sensibility and their own nuance to what's going on. So you get to hear it from that perspective. So it's not just, uh, what was in your own head. 
But you can also solidify the things you thought you wanted when you hear them done differently from what you wanted, right? So you might need to put different emphasis or slightly different wording to get it closer to what you want to hear. Or if you happen to be the director (laughs) when it gets put up, then you can direct it differently. You can direct it that way. The other thing, another thing about why you should do this is uh, it builds some buzz, right? You can start building a, a little buzz about the show, get people listening for it, get people interested in what you're doing. You can build a mailing list. I had a number of people uh, who came to the show uh, who were audience members sign up on the mailing list so that they can get all of the latest because this production, this play is going to be put up somewhere. And uh, I'm waiting to see about grants that I've applied for. And if I get any of those grants, we're going to be putting it up probably in March of 2025. And so this way I can keep the people who came to the reading abreast of what's going on as far as putting the show up. And another thing that you can do is you can see what changes you need to make. You still need to make, right? Both from listening to what worked and what didn't work and uh, via feedback from the audience. And that's one of the things that you really want to do when you're doing this is ask for feedback. Don't just assume people will give it to you, but make time, leave room in the day that you've set up to get feedback from people, whether it's members of the cast or the audience that you get. Now, things to think about. First of all, uh, I want to give you best practices. One, uh, ask for more time than you're going to need from wherever you decide to host it. If you think the reading is going to take two hours, ask for four hours because you're going to need setup time and you're going to probably going to want some sort of a feedback, talkback thing at the end. But I'm going to get to that. But I wanted to make sure that you that you do that, that you whatever, wherever you're going to be, ask for more time than you think you're going to need. So let's get to the section of best practices. First, you don't need to rent a theater. If you're doing something, some kind of a reading like that, you don't need to go out and spend a lot of money. And, uh, and, and if you have disposable income and you can spend money, great, go do, enjoy, the theater will get money, yay. What you can do is make the, the sort of location as nice as possible while keeping it as inexpensive as possible. For me, that meant signing up, reserving a room at Pier 57. I'm in New York City, and Pier 57 is right on the Hudson River. It's this beautiful space that they've set up that's multi-use, and it's wonderful. And if you are doing something that you do not charge for, you can't charge for the thing you're doing, if it's educational or if it's artistic, you can reserve a room. And they just gave it to me for four hours. I was able to reserve the daffodil room and boom, it was there. So if you're not in New York City, and I know a lot of my, uh, a lot of you, if you're listening, you are in New York City uh, for some reason. Thank you for listening, New York. Uh, but if you're not in New York City, if you are somewhere else around the world, check your community center, check your local theater, and maybe do it on a night when the theater is dark. Right, you don't need to go spend a lot of money. See if they're willing to let you use the space for free. Right, another another thing that you can do is uh, in New York City here, FizzFest, which is a physical theater festival in New York City that just closed a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago by the time this episode comes out. 
they uh, apparently the Stellar Adler Center for the Arts gave them space to do the shows. So it's not just for doing a reading, but sometimes you can even get free space to do They're between semesters at Stella Adler. And so they were like, yeah, go ahead and use the space. Now, I, I cannot, I, I don't represent Stella Adler. I don't have a way of doing that. But uh, there are places that if you are really uh, innovative in how you approach things, if you're creative, you're going to be able to find places. A few years ago, when I was doing my my one minute movie project when uh, back in 2010 2011 I did a, a store a short wrote a short story a day for uh, a year every single day for a year and some of those short stories I then turned into little mini screenplays and we went from a 60 second story to a mini screenplay and several of those we made into movies and um for location scouting one of those took place in a barbershop, I went to my local barbershop and said, hey, do you think we could come in at a time that isn't busy for you and for half an hour shoot in your barbershop? And he went, sure. And another one took place in an Italian restaurant. And I went, hey, can I do that? Uh, can I use part of a room or a table in your restaurant? And I wanted to have the other diner's sounds as part of sort of the background of the of the movie. So we had that. We had the other diners in there and they gave us a table to use. We ordered food. And what was really sweet of them, they ended up comping us the food because they had so much fun watching us film the, the movie that they comped our dinners. You know, I was ordering dinner as a way of sort of paying them back for letting me use the space. But they were like, no, no, this is on us. This was so much fun and so cool. You, you know, we're not going to charge you for the dinners. So and, and it was, you know, wine and spaghetti and whatever, whatever, because it was an Italian place. And they just gave it to us. People want to support artists in the creation of their art. And it's amazing how often if you ask that they'll go, oh, wow, that's really cool. A lot of times I've noticed those people are creatives or artists who are not currently doing their art. You know, and, and if they're bitter about it, that's one thing. But if they're not, if they're not doing their art, if they're not following their own creative muse and they see someone else who is, they want to help. They want to be involved. They want to uplift the artists who are doing something. So bear that in mind when you're asking about this stuff. It's really incredibly, incredibly wonderful when you have that sort of thing. Okay, so yeah, check those community centers, restaurants, see if they have rooms that they don't mind letting you use for a little while. Uh, and if you need to rent something, you need to rent something. But I don't know if you always do. The The, the theater in, in a high school uh, would also be a great place. So check that out. Okay, the next thing, make sure your script is as finished as possible. Again, it's, I, I was no longer seeing any of the issues, which is why I was like, okay, it's done as possible. I'm going to hand it out. Get the actors, the script, and the screenplay early enough so that they can mark them up, right? And make sure you have enough actors and maybe even more than enough actors from what you'll need. Like have someone who can be a, a, a ringer, if you will, someone who can take parts if they need to. Try not to be one of the readers. I ended up having to read uh, all the children and the stage directions. And also suddenly, because one of the actors did not show up, and didn't give me any notice that he wasn't showing up, uh, I ended up having to read his part too. So, or parts, because this this play has multiple parts for people. 
Anyway, the problem with that, of course, is you don't know if someone's going to be irresponsible and not show up. To me, if you agree to do something like that, unless you're dead in a ditch, you should at least let the person know that you're not coming uh, or find a replacement. You know, like be proactive. If you can't make it, check with your actor friends and go, hey, anybody want to do this this project this afternoon? I can't make it. I'm sick or I have a hangnail or I have to go change my cat's litter box whatever the reason is, um, the responsible thing to do is, you know, let the person, the organizer of the event know that you're not going to be there. Because certainly, no matter what happens, because I still haven't heard from this person, there's been no apology, there's been no nothing. He just didn't show and never said anything. I just know that I will never, ever work with him again. And I'll never recommend him. If somebody comes to me and asks for someone that has just his skill set, I won't recommend him because I can't rely on him. And I cannot take that responsibility of saying, yes, I recommend this person. And he might blow off another engagement. I don't know. Now, I didn't pay any of my actors. And maybe he was resentful that he didn't get paid. I don't know. I have never heard from him. So I don't know what his reasons were. But from the actor perspective, if you take on the role, show up. And if you can't show up, give notice and or try and find a replacement uh, because it's just it's just rude and uh, flirty behavior if you do if you do that if you say you'll be there two days before and then you don't show up okay so uh, let's keep going <laughs> I want to I got off a little bit on a tangent about about uh, this situation that happened and it's one of those be ready to to take up the slack kind of answers when someone doesn't show but if you get the actors the screenplays early enough so that they can mark them up uh, then they can ask you any questions that they have all right let's move on as I mentioned uh, if you don't charge admission lots of places will let you use their spaces for free for me it was the daffodil room at pier 57 and here's a little tip for you check on available technology see what kind of tech is in the room Because I didn't, and I should have, because there's a need in the show for a screen to come down twice and play video in two different scenes of the show. And there was a screen I could have used but didn't know about, right? I didn't pay enough attention when I read the fine print. Whatever it was, I missed it. So check. Check and see if there's available tech for you to use, whatever room you're using. Because if the screen had been able to come down and play what I needed it to play when the reading was going on, that would have been super cool. Now, I'm not sure if I could have done that because I was reading the stage directions and I was reading characters and there was no one to produce that part of it. There was no one to run the screen. I don't know if it would have worked. It might not have worked. It might have just been uh, a complete mess if I had tried to do it. But if you can have somebody to run tech or if you yourself don't read and can run the tech, then that would have been super cool to have that as part of it because it will need to be in any production of the show that's done. These two times when I'm going to need a screen are going to need to be there. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Yeah, attention, uh, paying attention to the fine print is incredibly important. Are the things you need to know, like uh, in the in the contract that I signed with Pier 57, I could bring in water, but I couldn't bring in food. If I wanted to bring in food, I was going to have to go through their uh, through their catering because there are restaurants in the place. So we didn't have any food, but I did bring in water. 
And also another things, uh, another thing that I needed to pay attention to was uh, if you're going to video record anyone, according to Pure 57, you need to get signed release forms. Now, I believe in getting signed release forms if someone's going to burp on screen. Like if they're going to be recorded in any way, if they're going to participate in any way, you need to get release forms signed. There's no, uh, that's non-negotiable because I had something happen years ago where I was holding a, a recording, a video recording of a workshop, a singing workshop that I was doing. And I had gotten everyone's email permission that I was going to be able to use the video and uh, did the entire shoot. Everything went great. And then one person went, oh, wait, you were thinking of putting this up on YouTube? I don't give my permission for that. And so pretty much the entire video was useless because she happened to be prominently displayed in the video. And I thought I had everyone's permission to, to do this stuff, and I didn't. And since then, every, every time I get a video release form, because if I'd had a video release form, I'd have been able to go, you sign the release. You know, she had agreed in email, but that's not really enough. And I could have pushed it. I could have gone, oh, you know, this is what, this is what the spirit of this relationship of you coming and getting a workshop for free and also being part of this recording was all about. But I didn't do that. I went, you know what, fine. I just didn't use the video until years later when I realized, oh, I can zoom right in and crop her out. Now, I did end up having to crop up out other people uh, from this video. They weren't in there, but at least I was able to use the video for something. So, yeah, sign contract, sign contract, sign contract. Another thing you, you need to do or I encourage you to do is create a program for the event. Include everyone who helped, name the actors and the characters they'll play, and thank everyone, right? And I also am a huge fan of dramaturgy and director's or writer's notes. So in the program that I created, I added writer's notes. And in fact, I think I'm going to put pictures of that in the show notes just so you can see. I'm going to put the program in the show notes so you can see what it looks like. Because to me, Having those show notes in there informs the play. Now, not everybody's going to read them. It's like I'm a I'm also a liner note nerd. So back when CDs and albums had liner notes, I would pour over them and see what the people who created the stuff had to say about the stuff they created. And the same here, I had this this paragraph that I'd written all about sort of the the inspiration for the play, how the play came to to be and all of that and people read it and it was really cool and I also got a chance more importantly to thank all the people who participated now they were people who were participating as actors my husband Rich who is so good about this stuff was there to help me he was one of the actors but he also came early with me and and did all sorts of stuff to get set up and also the dramatist skilled uh, I got some help from them uh, not financial help that's not what they do but more sort of um, inspiration and motivation, I guess. So I also thank them for, for, for the help that, that I got from them. So these are all things that the, that a program will help you do. Another little side note is super fun is I asked every actor to autograph the front of one of the programs. And now I have this great keepsake and it'll help you generate buzz when you post it, right? This, the front of the program with everybody's autograph is so cool. And I'm going to post it. I, I haven't yet because I haven't had time, but I'm going to post it so that everybody can see the program and the autographs. And again, it's a keepsake. And oh, a little tip for me to you, a five 
8.5 by 8.5 frame will hold a program because it's an 8.5 by 11 sheet folded over. It also holds playbills. So if you see shows and you want to sort of put them up, all the shows that you've seen, that's a way of doing it, which I think is really very interesting. Okay, next. Get there early enough to set up. Remember how I said... Uh, if you're going to need to be there for two hours, ask for four. And that's because, first of all, I needed to get there. We were starting to record at one. I needed to get there at noon because we needed to set up the tables. They were going to be set up in a certain way and the chairs for the audience. Uh, and it worked out really nicely to get there early. Now, before that, let me take a step backwards. You're going to want to do some PR for this reading, right? Don't just go, oh, I'm going to just invite my friends. I went through some some of the New York City for free influencers and went, okay, hey, we're going to be doing this reading. It's free and open to the public. Can you help boost the signal? And they did. And we got like 30, 40 people in the audience. It was amazing to have people come and and be the audience for this a play read that had never been up before a brand new play and they were willing to give it a chance on a rainy snowy day they were willing to give it a chance which just gladdened my heart but yeah put it up on social have your uh you know ask your actors to talk about the fact that they're going to be doing it get in there get involved and uh and and get some some buzz going about this okay so yeah uh that's let's get back to getting there early enough to set up uh, make the readers, the actors call time a good half hour before you're going to be starting. If not more, a lot of times in, in professional theaters, it's way earlier than a half an hour before. But for a play reading like this, I said, you know, call was at 1230. We were starting at one. But you have to understand in the theater, if call is 7 p.m., that means you're you're there and ready to go at five to seven, if not quarter to seven. You don't roll in at 7 p.m. and get set up. You should be set up and ready to go by a few minutes before call. So arrive early enough to get everything set, get your drink, put your stuff down, get your script, da-da-da-da-da-da, and be ready, like sitting in your chair and ready to start reading at call, uh, at start time, because um, often you are paying by the hour for things, so you want to be sure it's there. Next, Record, 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 and get everyone to sign a video release form. It is so important to have a, like being there and letting it sort of shower over you when you're in that spot of recording is fabulous. But what you also really want is when you're in that spot of doing it, I should say, what you also really want is recording. So you can go back and listen and see what worked and see what didn't work. Because this isn't just for fun. You're doing this so that you can evaluate your work. And you can evaluate it more dispassionately if you're looking at it, how it was recorded, what what jokes landed, what what felt profound, how did the audience respond, how did the actors say what they said. It's so important to do that. So make sure you have your video or audio release forms, depending on what which way you're you're gonna record it, and then do it. All right. Don't try to do it all by yourself though, right? Ask people to help. You don't want to do all, you don't want to hold a reading, one person reading the entire play, unless it's a one person play. So uh, some people you ask will be experienced, some won't. And that's important. That is a lesson that I learned. I asked a number of people who were all very excited to participate and I was thrilled that they did, but they didn't have a lot of experience. A lot of these folks didn't. If you are plugged into the theater scene where you work and live, great. Ask the people 
who are actors in the theater scene to do it. Uh, in DC, I would have had lots of actors to ask. Here, I'm I'm too new, right? So I don't have enough of a network, and and I will, but I don't yet. So uh, you want to have at least one rehearsal before the reading. I didn't do that this time. I should have done a Zoom rehearsal with everyone because uh, I would have been able to iron out a few things that needed ironing out. So some basic acting skills would have elevated the reading. Like I would have told the actors, don't swallow your last few words of whatever sentence you're saying. Often that's a punchline. And a lot of those punchlines, because the show is funny, they were lost because the actors kind of went, and so as I said, right? And it's not because they did it wrong on purpose. And it's not even because they did it wrong. It's because I didn't have a chance to sort of uh, nudge them in the direction they would have needed to go. If we'd have had even a single rehearsal, I would have heard that and I would have gone, oh, here's a note for you. Don't swallow the ends of your sentences. And and that's the thing. You can give people ways to read the lines if it's super important to you. And I didn't think of that, but that's a lesson for me to learn because there were lines I would have liked to have heard a certain way. And uh, if if I don't give that note beforehand, then they're going to read it the way they think they should read it, which is perfectly valid. But that's not the important piece of this. The important piece of this is, you know, A, they're doing you a favor, and B, they're reading it the way they envision it in your head. If you wrote it and you envision it differently, it behooves you as the writer to give them that note to say, hey, can you read this line like this and, you know, help them do it the way that you envision it because otherwise they're going to do it the way they envision it. And that's perfectly valid. Okay. Moving on. Uh, you also get to hear where the readers trip up and then you can decide whether the readers had trouble or whether the line is clunky and needs to sound more conversational or just more like something someone would say. All right. Payment. If you can, Pay your readers. Pay them in some way. If you can't pay them, surprise and delight them in other small ways. Here's what I mean by that. I gave every actor fun metal water bottles with the logo of the play in uh, sort of a an iridescent 3D sticker. And I'm going to put a, if I can find it, I'm going to put that in the, a picture of that in the show notes, which I just think it came out great. It came out super fun and I love it. And I'm so happy that I have it. Uh, and it's important because... Again, uh, I wanted to thank them. I mean, I, I didn't have money to pay the nine people that showed up to read. I I was able to give them stickers and I was able to give them water bottles and, and you know, and do something to show them um, that, that you appreciate what they did. I want to give you a special note. If your readers belong to a union, you're going to need to compensate them union wages, and that might be cost prohibitive. So check and see if the people that you want to have read your stuff belong to a union. If they do, that's a completely different story, right? Just completely, completely different. I, I, you're, you're going to have to, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a union rep. I'm not anything in that way. You're going to need to navigate that. Be aware. Okay. Uh, and just as much as you surprise and delight your readers, 
consider surprising and delighting your audience. Everybody who came to hear it got a sticker of the logo, the same iridescent sticker that was on the water bottles. And it's a nice keepsake, first of all. And second of all, if they put it on something, it'll spread the word about your show, about your script, about your screenplay. And then I held a raffle. And I did this, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I did the same thing for In a New York Minute, the New York City, the Vegan Writers Group of New York City, uh, anthology that we put out last April, April of 2023. I did that. We held a raffle then, and that money went to uh, to two wonderful animal rights organizations. One is an animal sanctuary, the Red Robin Song Animal Sanctuary, and one is uh, called Wild Tomorrow, which is a, a fund for uh, saving wildlife in Africa. And this time I had a free raffle. If if people wanted multiple tickets, they could have paid an additional dollar and then that money would have gone to the Red Robin Song Animal Sanctuary. But uh, people just took one and that was fine. And uh, again, um, the raffle was a fun little energizer. In the We had an intermission. So in the intermission, it was really fun to have a raffle. And personally, I use my own books. I use my own T-shirts, stickers, etc., so I already had the inventory. I didn't need to buy anything. You might, uh, if you can, get local fun restaurants to donate a gift certificate or something like that, or local businesses might want to participate. Again, it gets their name out there, uh, and they come on, uh, come on as a sponsor of the event. Great. Uh, I didn't do that. I probably could have. I just didn't, didn't have time, didn't think of it. But you could do that. And I've done that before, and it works very well. So, uh, so yeah, when, you know, I had my own books that I've written my own, I, I think I had um, four, I had Die by the Sword, which is my tarot reader mystery. I had the two Fairy Godmother Diaries books, which take place in New York. And then I had Speak from Within, which is my book all about how to become a, a, a better speaker and how to overcome a speaking phobia if you have one. Anyway, so, uh, and the t-shirts were my, you know, Welcome to Earth, Here Are the Rules, uh, and meditated a number of different shirts, things like that, uh, that I have, that I've, that I was able to give away, uh, as part of the raffle or raffle off as part of the raffle. And, uh, again, it boosts the signal and it spreads the word as well as giving people some nice stuff. Okay. Uh, so the last set of things that I want to talk about is the feedback. Ask for feedback from your audience, ask for feedback from your actors and take it. And how did I do that? I had a talk back at the end of the reading. And it was inviting the audience to go, hey, you know, what worked? What didn't work? What confused you? I didn't ask them if they liked it or didn't like it because that's subjective. I want to know what didn't work. What made you go, huh? And people, once again, they told me, just like in the Fairy Godmother Diaries, they were like, Isolde, where's your bad guy? And I was like, no, no, you know, man versus man, man versus nature, man versus himself. This is a man versus himself book. And they're like, no, it's an urban fantasy. It's you've got to have a bad guy. So who's your bad guy? And I ended up creating a bad guy for it. And he plays he ends up playing a huge role in book one, a huge role in book two. And he'll play a huge role in book three if and when I ever get a chance to write it. And the same goes for here. They were like, mm, we need to know we need, you know, the, the question that was asked of me was why should we care about this and I went wow okay so that's a little rough <laughs> it felt harsh in the moment um, just because why should I care is hard another way of giving feedback is I want to care more about X whatever X is this aspect of the player the piece or whatever 
what can you do to get it so that I care more is another is a more constructive way of saying it, I think. Anyway, uh, but the, the point is having the talk back gave me the opportunity to to learn more. And I have to say, even though it kind of made me go, ooh, when the person said, why should I care about this aspect of the show? Uh, you have to get your ego out of the way, right? That's not that's not what the talkback is about. It's not, oh, I want to hear you praise my show. Uh-uh. It's lovely if someone has something nice to say, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to to find what's working, to find what's not working, to to go back to the drawing board if you need to. And, uh, you know, one, don't be married to your darlings. There are going to be things that you might love that just don't work for the audience. And the people who are there are giving you their time and attention. They're giving you their feedback. So be, you know, be grateful. <laughs> Express your gratitude. And what's interesting is some of the feedback that I got was so profound that I went back and this week I, I went back and I added a few scenes in the very beginning that that address that why why should I care? Uh, because more than one person said, I want to care more about this. I want I, I, I need to know why why this is important to the play and it doesn't feel like I know yet. And so I added a few scenes and I've read it for the writers group and got the feedback that yeah, now I you've gone so much further to making me want to know more and want to care. And I'm like, yes, so that's exactly what you want. And I got some great advice, right? And some I'll take, some I won't. But I've already, as I said, changed the play in some significant ways that have improved it. And I wouldn't have had that notion in the right way if I hadn't held the table read. So this is something to think about with feedback. When someone gives you feedback that's on point, that is like, oh, this is feedback I need to pay attention to, it feels almost familiar because I think your subconscious has probably been trying to point the issue out, but you haven't paid any attention. And then when someone else says it, it lets you bring that thing up to the forefront of your consciousness, and then you can make the changes you need to make. So if the feedback feels a little on point, like, oh, I'm having a, a reaction to it. If it feels familiar, that's probably feedback you want to you take and advice you want to take. If it feels like you're having a huge reaction, a huge negative reaction to the feedback, you're going to need to look at why that is. What is making you have such a huge reaction? Is it because you're married to that particular darling and don't want to change it? Or is there a reason that you want to die on that hill, right? Is this the hill you want to die on? And you might. You might say, you know what? I don't want them to kiss in this scene even though everybody else wants to it's like it's like uh worshiping couples you know like brangelina or whatever i know this is that's very old but but we do that we want these couples to get together in our literature or in our tv shows or movies or whatever or stage plays and if they don't there's a the fandom gets really up in arms right i what do you mean they're not endgame why aren't they going to be together and uh, and a lot of times there's almost a a deliberate uh, sort of attempt to keep the couple that everybody wants to be together apart. Why? Because it, it creates more tension. So uh, you might you might find yourself in that situation. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you have a huge reaction to someone's feedback about, I really want them to be together, or I really don't want them to be together, or I really don't want him to pick up that book in that moment because it gives it away too fast. Pay attention if you have a huge reaction because there's some there's something to be plumbed there for you. There's something to be mimed, mimed, mind, uh, so that you'll be able to really 
improve the piece. I mean, that's what this is all about is to get some buzz. Yes, but really to improve what you've written. And every bit of feedback you get is useful, even if you don't use it, right? That they took the time to say it and to give it, which means they cared enough to say it and to give it, but also it might give you the information that you need to improve the show, or you might go, you know what? That's okay that this feedback is here. Now I'm conscious of it, and I can either support my stance with the way I write the surrounding material, or I can decide that I definitively, purposefully want it to remain this way. And that's perfectly fine. It's your piece. All right. So I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. I really wanted to do this because I learned so many lessons, both about my play and about putting on events. And I love to put on events. I love, love, love. And somebody, uh, one of the actors, I saw her for uh, for dinner the other night, and she said to me, you know, you really know how to put on events. Events, And I went, wow, thank you. I love doing it. I love putting events on. I love again, surprising and delighting the participants and the audience and making these experiences something that is that is an elevated thing, right? I want, I want these kinds of experiences to be something wonderful and delightful to the people who come to these events. And as I move further and further into the world of the performing arts here in New York City, I'm going to be doing more events and, and seeing about how I can make them even better, even brighter, even more delightful, even more full of creativity and the artistic spirit. I can't wait to get more involved in that. I'm super excited. Alrighty. (laughs) I think I've already said that. As I said, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have questions about, if you have an event you want me to, to set up for you, I'm doing that. You can contact me and we can figure out how I can help you with that. If you want to do some uh, coaching on creativity, on writing, I would love to do that. Get in touch. Find me. Uh, there, there are links all over uh, the show notes. You can find me. You can get some information. You can get some ideas. You can do a complimentary discovery call totally for free. Me for 15 minutes. You can ask me questions. And I, I can try and help you. I'm loving doing the work I'm doing. I want to do it more. Until next time, this is Isolde Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast, reminding you, as always to leave it better than you found it. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the show if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2024. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. <laughs>